0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro.
1: Shabbat shalom. We are, um... Catch everyone up on the podcast. A couple of important bulletins. Number one, I taught Rabbi Schatz something about Zoom today, and it's very exciting. Number two, we're able to see Denise's face, which is also very exciting. Number three, just making sure everybody knows, as I definitely already did, that's is tomorrow night. Rabbi Shots, as you were.
2: <laughs> okay, um... We are going to
0: share. Uh, a... Just going to say something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when I was stop. growing up, when I was growing up, I thought rabbi, rabbi. <laughs> you know what I mean, rabbi. And then you <laughs> met Rabbi Shapira? Well, I I had not met him or you two together. Uh huh. Okay, so I just I just want you to know how you are. Thank you. Uh, enhancing my understanding of oh yeah i'm
2: sure it's an enhancement um yes one of us tries very hard
1: to be professional (laughs) you can guess which one of us that is um i am trying really hard (laughs) trying hard and being successful are not the same thing
2: okay all right we are. Um, we're going to actually play a tune for all of you that Rabbi Shapiro introduced me to earlier this week, um, and it's a really beautiful version of one of the one of the verses in this week's parsha. Um, and when Rabbi Shapiro sent it to me, I assumed that no one else knew it because <laughs> Rabbi Shapiro is not. The world's guru uh, when it comes to Jewish music—that is true. You cannot refute that. And so I sent it to Rabbi Kligfeld, and I said, "We really need to sing this. It's so beautiful." And Rabbi Kligfeld responded, saying it was one of his favorite tunes uh, growing up, and that um, that it was something that he really he also thought was a very beautiful rendition of this particular verse. Um, <clears throat> Originally, Rabbi Shapiro and I were going to actually teach this verse today, but there's not so much on this verse. There's not a lot of commentary. So Rabbi Shapiro's idea was that we would play it for you, um, and without any context, we would let you listen to it and kind of tell us what you think the verse might be about based on the way that it sounds and based on the musical um, illustration, so to speak, of, of, the, of the verse itself. So uh, without telling you... What the verse is, I'm gonna play it. <clears throat> this is what Rabbi Shapiro taught me how to do, so um, we are very excited to be able to do this for you. And by we, I mean the royal we is always a lovely thing. Um, okay.
3: ski fa mina.
2: So it keeps going, it just repeats over and over again. It is very Simon and Garfunkel, that's true. Um, one of the things that Rabbi Kligfeld pointed out to me that um, I assume Rabbi Shabir also knows, but Rabbi Kligfeld was the one who told me, uh, is that the people singing, this particular group is made up of brothers. And so one of the things that happens when you sing with people who share DNA with you, this is a truth, this is true, this is not just a drosh. Um, when you sing with people who you share DNA with, your, your blending is always better. Um, and so it's like particularly beautiful because they're sharing a lot of tone quality, uh, in their, in their voices. Um, I definitely will post the link in just one second, but we don't want to give anything away yet. So what, um, what do you think this verse is about? What do you, what did it make you think of or, or feel, even if you couldn't understand the words or know what they mean?
3: It is was beautiful, one? and it reminded me when you of the song that you did with your brother and dad.
2: My brothers. Um, and your father. You did some kind of song together. I don't remember why, whether it was in one of the classes that we heard it, or I just heard it on Facebook. Oh, the pa- oh on Passover, the song that my brother wrote? Uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Interesting. It's a, yeah. And this is just a very calming, it reminds me of Lakshiv, you know, listen and... Right. and And, and, uh, uh, leash cov, also listen, lay down, relax, you know, take, take, um, take, uh, when you, when you go over like your year and what you've done and what you wanted to. I, I forgot the word for that. Beautiful. It's in, you clearly were hearing certain letters that were making you think of those words. Um, that isn't the word in the, in the, song um the word in the song is hashkifa like hashkafa um but but it is a very calming very peaceful uh tune which interesting when you think of the words that that you were that you thought you were hearing um that it goes very nicely with that karen
0: it made me think about holding a baby
2: and rocking a baby that's very sweet that's very very sweet other thoughts or feelings or ideas of what this might be about.
0: Yeah, I on. didn't catch the words. I, I, I couldn't discern hashkifa. I was hearing it as a vet and not a fae, and I wasn't making sense of it. But now that I heard you say the words, yeah. it, it gives me sort of the same feeling and has kind of the same meaning as S-I-N-I.
2: mm Interesting. It Very interesting. Um. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to Rabbi Shapiro so that he can he can take us through what the verse actually is. Um and uh and then we'll go back to some of your thoughts based on actually seeing seeing the verse now. <clears throat> over to you, Rabbi. What's happening? I didn't realize
1: I was pulling up the verse. I thought you Oh, had... I
2: can pull it up. You want me to pull oh, it up? Yeah. Okay, I have it right here.
1: Great. I had the other verses pulled up. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Oh, I found it. I can do it.
2: Well, It's right here.
1: Okay, good job. Thank you. Would you like to also speak? Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Well, can I, I I mean, the context I'll give for it, by the way, is I was very excited about it because I learned this uh, when I worked at BCI, for people who know BCI. um, Cantor Harold Messinger uh, taught it to everybody uh brother of dan messinger owner of bb's bakery and cafe shout out to bb's um and harold will find you dan um and he would he would lead folks in this and i've read this pasuk in this week's parsha and i was i was really excited about it but i couldn't find it anywhere so uh praise praise be to streaming music services uh where i was able to to find this and share it around um, although I think between Rabbi Schatz and myself, we have now, like, tripled the number of total plays uh, on Spotify of this song over the past, like, four days than it had in the many <laughs> years previous. Um, well, just, and,
2: and we, can we also just tell everybody that when you said, can you, at the end of the week, Rabbi Shapiro said, let's do this verse, but only if you'll sing it. And I called him and I said, there's no way that I'm getting on a podcast and singing, Eret Zavvat Chalav, U Ah because that's what I thought he was talking about.
1: So this was um, all a long con to get her to do that over the past two seconds.
2: <laughs> anyway, go
1: ahead. Hashkifamim um, on look down from your holy abode from the skies. Varech Etamcha Yisrael... Bless your people, uh Israel and oh mm oh what are you doing? Oh
2: sorry, sorry, sorry. What are you doing? I'm just looking. I'm just
1: looking. Okay. Um and the land that you have given us, um a land that uh, that as you promised to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. Um, I I'll just say for myself it's it's a very peaceful song. I I also appreciate the Simon and Garfunkel shout out. Um, you know we we actually we've talked a good amount in this in this class over the past however many weeks it has been. Um, about different concepts of God and how challenging or problematic some of them can be in the Torah and how moving some of them can be in the Torah. Um, When I talk with people about theology and people talk about a tough time believing in God, one of the sort of most time-worn rabbinic moves is like the God that you don't believe in is also the God that I don't believe in, right? Well, I don't believe God is a man in the sky looking down. usually, Usually I don't believe that either. And there is just something, maybe it's because I have the music in my head, the idea of God looking down from a holy place and granting us favor. And I think this speaks to the power that music can hold in addition to words, analysis and translation. And as Rabbi Schatz alluded to, I am of the four clergy at Temple Beth Am, I am not the music guy. Um, But there is still definitely something about the power that music holds to be able to, shift and elevate and reconfigure um the way that that at least I think about um this verse. That's kind of what what I I, I don't have much more to say on it other than that, but I think it's a really lovely piece and uh, even though it's a bit atypical for our time together. Uh, I'm glad we got to share it a bit. So it looks like Rabbi Shots has something queued up that will be oh. spectacular.
2: Um, thank you. That's so nice. Um, i i do think that it's interesting some of you have probably heard the word hashkafa like if you have a hashkafa on something um it often means that you kind of give it your okay right like a a heksher or um um uh what's the what's another word for that Rabbi Shapiro like your um my hashkafa is like the way that i do think of, perspective. Sure. I think it's a little bit stronger than perspective because it's like how you might ritually do something or what? Ethos. Ethos. Sure. Yeah. Um, many of the things that happen at Temple Beth, um, you know, in this era versus the era before and the era after Rabbi Klickfeld are based on his hushka, right. Are based on how he wants the community to be um seen and run and um and held together, and so I just wanted to show you that this word hashkifa right, which means to look down is the same as the word hashkafa, which is to kind of oversee or as you can that's why I call it the dictionary here you can see in the different forms of the word it's to look maybe down upon, which obviously in English we think of as a little bit more negative than what it actually means, but that someone we can just keep on using Robert Klickfeld as an example, Klickfeld is above the decision making it so that that all of us are the ones who are holding by the decision but he ultimately is the person um who makes it so he uh he has his hashkafa, right? Just like in this in this verse, we're obviously not talking about Rabbi Klitschko. We're talking about God. Um, but that that God would look upon the people um, and and be able to like see everything that's that's below God uh, and everything that has been given to the people. The thing that I really loved about this um, the musical kind of illustration of this is that similar to what Rabbi Shapiro shared in terms of not loving to think about God as like the guy in the sky on a throne um but that it everything that you all said about rocking a baby or feeling like you're going to bed or very soothing or all those things like that can all be heaven right that can all be a holy abode any of those experiences right Elon and I are both at different different beaches but both at <laughs> both at a beach right now and for me, like that is a little slice of heaven, right? Being able to be near the water. Um, and, and I think it just, it defines for all of us that there are, there are different ways of defining what it, what it means to be kind of in God's, um, in God's land and, and to see it as little pieces of heaven for each and every person. Um, that's a drush That's obviously not what the verse is saying, but. Uh, any thoughts now that you know what the verse is based on having heard it? I thought maybe Rabbi Shapiro, I'd play it one more time and then people could look at the words and hear it at the same time and then we can move on to the other verses. Does it have to do with God looking down upon us? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I understand the question, but the verse does say, yes, that God is looking down on us and on the land that God has given us. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, let me, I just have to stop sharing my screen for one second to do this. So give me, give me a second here. Um,
3: Husky. me na shamai ashki famim tocha me na La Iglesia de Jesucristo de los <laughs> um the what
2: Nancy wrote the music and the words are very comforting and I totally, I totally agree. Um, as Rabbi Shapiro mentioned, we've really brought the the listens on this song up (laughs) by hundreds. Um and uh and it's probably because I've been listening to it nonstop since Tuesday or whenever he sent it to me. Um but the thing that I just noticed when I was looking at, and for those of you on the podcast, we didn't actually say which verse in Torah this was. This is chapter 26, verse 15. Um, and when looking at the verse while listening to the music, one of the things I noticed is that it doesn't go into the Eretzavot Chalavudvash or anything having to do with the swearing of this land to our fathers, which I think goes back to the statement that I made before that everybody gets to kind of decide what part of the world it is that we feel like God is looking down on us or walking with us, however you want to imagine God, um, in this little slice of heaven that we're in right now. Um, And what it, it doesn't have to be the land of Israel. It doesn't have to be a land that was, um, given to us in Torah or in history, but can just be the land that we are living in now and feeling God's presence in wherever we are, uh, which I really appreciate about the musical, um, artistry of this particular tune. So, um, okay. Uh, I will pass it over to Rabbi Shapiro to, to take us to our next verses. Uh, I just want to end this kind of portion of our portion of our morning. It's a half and half class. It's a half and half class. Yes. Half and half. Um, the portion of our morning by saying that I think many of you know that I studied music in college. And one of the things that I really love about music uh, is, is the way in which we are able to hear something, not necessarily know what it is that we are listening to. And then if you dissect it, whether it's, classical music that you're dissecting by musical theory, or if it's this kind of music that you're dissecting based on um, context and 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 history and connection, uh, the music now will speak to you in a different way when you listen to it without the Torah in front of you. So uh, I hope that you all will copy the the link that we sent you. We'll also put it in the podcast so that people can listen to it on their own um, and, uh, and that you'll be able to find connection to this very random verse um, in this week's parsha in a more meaningful way now
1: this group is going to get like a royalty check from spotify for like you know 10 bucks and it's going to be more than they've gotten you know in the the entire time but they're gonna be like what is going on yeah they're gonna be they're gonna be very confused but that's okay i am also very confused okay uh let's look at some verses more in our usual way Without music. What? <laughs> Without music. Without, should, I cha- should I chant them? Should I, should I chant
2: Oh, them?
1: yeah, no? you should. Nope. Uh-huh. Yes,
2: I think that one of the things we've been missing in this class is that Rabbi Shapiro has never sung for us. That's, not, know true. That Rabbi That's not true. That's not true. I wind up
1: singing place. in this class more than Rabbi Schatz does, no. much, much to everyone's chagrin. So. <laughs> well, I think you need to do a duet. Oh. Mm, that okay. would be bad for everyone, mm-hmm. I think. Okay, we are going to Oh, am I glitching? Yep. Mhm. There we go. There and you. we're back live from 1039 South La Cienega Boulevard. Great. Um okay. We are going to pick things up. Raw shots. <laughs> are you laughing and I'm actually coming through or you're just you're just having a good time? I'm just laughing at the situation okay good um we're gonna pick things up uh a skosh lower uh further along in the parsha we're gonna not not do as deep a dive as we usually do in, in these verses but they caught my eye and i think they offer some some interesting pieces to explore um so we're gonna pick it up in chapter 27 we're gonna we're gonna look at verses two through four but i'll i'll i'll, I'll give you a verse verse one just just for good luck Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people saying, observe all the instruction. So um, in- interesting, just in this verse, kol hamitzvah. oftentimes we've seen um, kol ha-torah translated as instruction. And here we see mitzvah, which plays a role potentially in, in what we'll see over the course of the next three verses uh, that I command to you today. Uh, okay, uh, verse two, bayom asher on the day... These then, are good tropes.
2: You really should be
1: chanting them. I'm, I'm good. Uh, on the day that you cross uh, the Jordan River to the land, El Haaretz, to the land, Asher Adonai No Ten Lach, that the Lord your God gives to you, the hakemota lecha avanim gedolot, you shall set up for yourself big rocks, v'sadta otam and you should... Plaster them with plaster. Why, why should I do that, everyone? You should write upon them You should write upon them all the words of this teaching. So, so just interesting, right? Instruction versus teaching. All the words of this teaching um, when you cross over. Um, that the... That the Lord, your God, is giving you a land. Uh, lecha. What? Noten lecha. Noten lecha, excuse me. Eretzvat halavut a land flowing with milk and honey. We're getting a lot of that this week. Rabbi Shatz, do you want to sing that again? No. Ka'ashir d'iber Adonai Elohei Avotecha Lach, yeah. as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Ve'haya be'ov rechem et ha'yarden, and when you cross the Jordan, takimu et ha'avenim you should set up these stones, asher anokhi mitzvah etchem be'yom ha'yom bahar i'val, that I uh, command you to do this day, Mount Ival, ve'sadta utham besayid. The seed rather. You should coat them with plaster. Um, I find this these verses interesting for a few reasons, but uh our time is shorter than it usually is, and uh, I want to give folks an opportunity to reflect on them a bit. So I will I will pause there and pass it over to Rabbi Shots for a a speed round of kushiyot, and then we'll we'll spend a little time talking them through.
2: Okay. Speed round. Any kushiyot that people have. About verses two through four, why are we coating the stones with plaster? Great question. Great, great. <laughs> it is a great question. Um, why do the stones need to be coated? Why? Why is it important that they be coated with something specific? Um, I don't know that I found anything on that, but it is a it you is a very interesting question. Yeah, Joanna.
0: I mean, I even want to back it up one more step. Like, why do we even need to set up stones? What's great. the point of setting up stones?
2: Great. Fantastic. What are the stones doing here? What is the point of the, sp- it's also very a specific setup, right? How how big they are, where they go, when they get uh, um, brought, what you put on them. Uh, great. So what's the deal with the stones and why why is that important? Other kushio. Oh, Joanna, go ahead.
0: So, you know, every time we see Torah, like our instinct is to think of it in our head as like Torah, the whole Torah, the five books of Moses. Yeah. But here it's just translated as this teaching. So what does this teaching mean? Which right. particular teaching are we talking about?
1: Great, Great question.
2: Rabbi really liked that question. Fantastic. Denise.
0: So where it says, um, to write all the words of this teaching upon the stones. Like, I mean, how big are these stones?
2: Yeah.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what, um, Rao Shapiro right now is trying to buy stones for one of his programs for high holidays. So, when he said to me I need to buy I'm look,
1: stones. I'm looking for a good stone merchant if anyone has them.
2: <laughs> he said I need to buy stones and I said, "Well, how big do they need to be?" Right? Well, like <laughs> what, what are we what are we talking about here? Right. What do we to do with these stones? And then also the plaster,
1: like does it go do you write on the plaster or do you cover the words with the plaster or like right, right. that's not yeah. clear.
2: It sounds like this is the beginning of, you know, like the instructions to an art project in third grade, right? Like, what, <laughs> what, what do you write on the stone? Do you put the plaster over the writing? Do you have to put the plaster down first so that you can put the writing on the plaster? What are all these different steps? Why are they so important? It seems to be that the Torah doesn't often tell us how to do art projects, but here we are being told to do one. So what, it, what is this all about and what, what's the importance there? Yeah, Nancy? Why do we have to be told twice? Why do we have to be told twice? Uh, told what twice? Oh, I'm sorry. To set up the stones. So it's in the in two, it says set up the stones and cut them with plaster. And in four, it says set up the stones Great. and cut them with plaster. Great, fantastic. Yeah. So again, one of the one of the many questions that we've asked over the course of this, this year of learning is wh- why redundancy? Right? Why why do we have to say things twice? Um, we know that there's an economy of language in the Torah. So, if something is being said twice, there must be a mean a reason behind it. Why this particular uh, instruction, Elon, and then Bonnie?
1: Yeah, it's not the only thing that's said twice in these verses. In fact, it says, um, "Into the land
2: that the Lord your God is giving you" in verse yeah. two, and then again in verse three, it says, "When you cross over to enter the land." That the Lord your God is giving it. we we yeah. got it from verse two that the Lord your God is giving it. Why, why
0: the extra emphasis on the fact that God is giving us this land?
2: Great, Great. and it even says uh, Elon along your lines. It says the Lord your the God tw- twice in verse three. Yes, yeah, that I think is more just a just an English thing, right? I think that's like that's like saying. Rabbi Shapiro, as opposed to just Rabbi, right? It's just it's just giving emphasis to the type of name for God. um But but yes, it is said multiple times in that one verse. Bonnie.
0: So well, again, there are three times that they mention cro- right when you cross over the Jordan. Yeah, it's also in all three verses.
2: Great. So there's a lot of repetition that we're seeing in these three verses, and around a topic that. I don't know about you, but I had never focused on before. So clearly not a topic that is, you know, top of mind when we think of Parshat Kitavo. So why is it so important that it's, well, two two parts. (laughs) How come it's become less important if it's said so many times? And how come it was so important in the Torah to be written multiple times for us to remember this seemingly benign and maybe even mundane and silly um, and silly act? Rabbi Shapiro, I don't see any other hands. Do you want to tell us why you were interested in these verses to begin with?
1: Sure. I mean, am I lo- Rabbi Schatz Message me saying I'm not loud enough. Is this better? Yes, it's much better. Good. I'm not often told that I'm not loud enough, so it's nice to mix things up. Um, I'll give like the meta thought that caught my eye, and then there were some specific questions that I found like a few. Like I, di- I didn't find big chunks on this, but I found some interesting responses to some of the questions that I were asked. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll pepper those in and we'll see what folks think. Um, the the thematic piece that came to mind for me is you know j- just as B'nai Yisrael are at a threshold, like so so are we on the calendar, right? Uh, ten ten shopping days left till Rosh Hashanah, uh, but who's counting? I'm not. Uh, Rabbi Shatz might be. Um, so right, we're we're on the on the threshold of our own transition calendrically, um, just like the Israel are on the threshold of a transition geographically and in terms of their leadership. And I think it's an interesting question to ask. Like, as you are moving from one place to another, whether in terms of time or geography, what what are you doing to like anchor yourself to carry pieces forward? To to set up ritually in such a way that calls attention to what you need to be paying attention to, and and, and that's kind of what what popped into into my brain as I saw these. Ver- in in addition to thinking it's it's interesting about like the choreography and the stones and the plaster and what goes on the stones and, and what that's all for, um, but on on that broader. Um, sort of thematic level. Um, that's that's kind of what what popped into my head. So, like, I'll I'll offer that up as as like a a big picture kind of reflection for for folks. Um, the the question of like what goes on the stones is an interesting one because like I don't know if you guys know Torah is pretty long. Um, so how big how big of of stones are we talking about here? If you're supposed to put the whole Torah on stones. These are some pretty big honking stones, right so so like wh- where are we finding stones this big and we're putting them in the river and, and there's a lot of conversation about is it is it the whole Torah or not there was a great there a great line I saw so some some people think right some say um, where did where did I see this um, some people say that it's actually the whole Torah. And therefore, it was just like a, like a miracle. <laughs> it must have been a miracle in order to, to fit everything. Um, uh, Sadia Gaon says it's actually just the commandments, right? That it's actually just the, the commandments that get written on the stones, which is an interesting differentiation. Like like the Torah itself doesn't seem to to draw um a distinction between the commandments themselves and narrative right in the torah as we've seen commandments and narrative are interspersed um, so it's interesting to to have a commentator say of course you couldn't fit everything on there you would just write the commandments. so i thought that that was that was an interesting piece um, and yeah and some folks say nope the, the whole the whole torah was on there um, and it was and it was actually a miracle um the Tal- so people were asking about why why plaster why plaster twice, and the Talmud says that the reason that it's plastered twice, and this was this was very interesting, is that the first sort of set of plaster was to make it so that you could you could write on the stone right and see what was written, but then the second time it says plaster is that you then plaster over what you wrote, which is not yeah. Rebecca is looking at me like I'm crazy, which I am. Well,
2: what does that mean?
1: Meaning oh, like if I have. Like laminate? No, I don't think they had laminating machines in the No, no, no.
2: I don't mean, I don't mean laminate. I don't think. I
1: mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert on lamination. I know about I'm Zoom, just... but I don't know about laminating.
2: I'm just saying what I mean is that like to cover it in something that will
1: keep it forever. davka, davka the opposite. Oh. because what it, what it said was it it 's resolving, you know, and sort of
2: so like paint over
1: it exactly oh. so it's a, so this is from from sota uh thirty five b they plastered it over with plaster how and and there's a sense there um, if you basically because we wonder why is it that Benesra l should get stuff that other nations don't And Mm. so by having the stones there, anyone can access it, but you need to be like curious and go seek it out, right? So if I, Matt Shapiro, who am not Jewish, I'm walking along the banks of the River Jordan and I Mm. see some stones covered with plaster, I then have a choice. I can say, oh, that's fine. There are just random enormously large stones covered with plaster in the middle of the Jordan River. I'm going to go about my, my ancient Near Eastern day or I could say, huh, interesting. Look at that. Those stones are covered with plaster. I wonder if there is something there that I might be interested in. And I go over and I like chip away some of the plaster. And lo and behold, it says, I'm the Lord, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt. Right? That like, huh. but you but you have to like, look a little bit closer um, is what the Talmud seems to be suggesting. Which, which is an interesting answer in terms of, A, it answers why it says plaster with plaster twice. B, it answers sort of the ongoing question of how come Jews get Torah, but other nations don't, even though, C, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense as a biblical art project. Um, so so that, that was just like an interesting piece um, that I found. I'll, I'll offer up, uh, Joanna, a response that I found not from a, a classical source in terms of why do this at all, and then I'll pause and, and, and pop back and forth. Basically, what I saw, this, this was out of an article. I want to make sure I get the name of this publication right. Uh, the, this is out of, out of something of an article I found. The title of this article is, uh, What Do These Stones Mean? The Riddle of Deuteronomy 27. And it is an article from the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society, which I have never quoted from before. Rabbi Schatz might have. She is better read than I am. But uh, I have never quoted from the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society before. But but what was interesting about this is that this author talked about how there is a a tripartite covenant between God and the people of Israel and the land of Israel. And as the people are crossing over the Jordan, that sort of like seals the deal with with that covenant, right? So like that's why stones are important because it's it's a physical embodiment of the covenant between God and Bene Israel and now Eretz Israel, right? And so there there is something, and that's why. Potentially, there's so much repetition in these verses about the Lord, your God, the land he gave to your fathers. Right. Because when we cross over, that's when that that covenant really takes hold. So by putting the Torah on the stones, there is something about that that sort of like locks locks in that that threefold covenant um, for all the Franz Rosenzweig uh, fans in the house, of which I know there are many. um Uh, His core work was Star of Redemption. Folks know Star of Redemption. Do people know this? No? All right. We're going to do Franz Rosenzweig in two minutes or less. Who's ready? I'm ready. Franz Rosenzweig talks about um, how there uh, are three points. There is God. Does this work? There is God. There is Israel. And then there is the world. God is connected to the world through creation. God is connected to Israel through revelation, and Israel is connected to, wor- to the world through redemption. Mm-hmm. So when you put that all together, creation, revelation and redemption, you get a lovely picture, pictograph that many of you know quite well. Ta-da. That, is awesome. that is very cool.: Our redemption: Franz Rosenzweig. Few minutes or less
2: very good so, that was we could just end there that was great
1: hey sometimes people get very confused when party. i talk philosophy people actually that seem to follow that. that was that was great that was really cool it's a good um, party trick so great <laughs> great party trick almost as good as rabbi schatz's show choir dances um so uh it, it's similar to this right this sense that there is, there is a covenant that is, that is like taking hold by, by doing this. So that was the, that was the other thing that came to mind. I,
2: I think that one thing that you said that I had not thought of, nor did I see in any of the commentaries, but um, that's really interesting is this idea that we really only take hold of something once we've kind of separated ourselves from it. That the that the writing of the covenant, the Torah, the learning, the teaching, whatever you want to call it, was done once we were on the outside, not while we are still on the inside. Um, and how interesting it is that when you take a step away from something, the perspective that you have that potentially gives, in this case, you a greater attachment or um, ability to learn that which you'd be putting on these stones. And, and it's very similar kind of metaphorically almost to what we believe Moshe is actually doing in the book of Deuteronomy, which is taking a recounting of all the things that have happened, but from the outside. And so the writing on these stones on the outside of that experience, this seems to be very parallel as, as almost a symbol of what Moshe is doing in general, that the people are now taking on for themselves, um, and I had definitely not thought about that until you shared your your pieces. So,
1: cool. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely that, and and look, sort of um, inverse to that, there are there are comments in the chat. Joanna wrote, "I'm thinking back to Genesis when monuments were were erected during transitional yeah. moments." Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I think similar. I mean, that's what Yaakov did. Right. Like at and he says this. I'm dedicating this place to God. This is like that that moment on steroids and in sort of like a a different context instead of marking there's something that that that's important that happened here, that there is something that is important in the process of of moving through here. Um, But but yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, is there is there anything about it being done individually as opposed to as a group? I don't think it is. When you cross over, but it doesn't say anything about like every individual doing it or doing it as a community. Because what I was thinking was,
1: it does I, seem to it it seems to transition back and forth because it says avrua ta'yardin, but then then it says the Hake mota lecha Avanim gedoloh. Right, right. So I I, I do not the Hake lachem, which is interesting.
2: Right. Well, so also, you know, I've done lots of programs with kids where we've had them uh, and adults actually to take a stone and to write one word on it, which that's, that's like a focal point for you. You know, they can keep on your desk if you're an adult or if you're a kid that you can keep in your backpack or whatever as a way of when you take out that stone, you see the word honesty, or you see the word, uh, trust, or you see the word calm or, you know, whatever, just a, a thing for you to, um, to really focus on, like a almost almost a meditation practice in terms of, um, uh, and, and yes, thank I'm you. I'm bringing
1: music. You're doing meditation. It is it is topsy turvy day here on the Parsha <laughs> podcast. I'm not
2: doing meditation. I'm just referencing it. Um But that that maybe every person, and this is a real drash. I don't think this is what the Torah meant. But maybe every person was charged to write down what their version of teaching was, whether that was many words or one word or a phrase or um a six-word memoir, as we know Rabbi Klickfeld enjoys, um, or whatever or a moment, right? Maybe it was a story, that maybe it wasn't the teaching, capital T, right? That that maybe it was the teaching that you need, that you need to keep with you as you make this transition into a new into a new land, which I really that's kind of how you set up in terms of the time that we're in right now. But I really love the idea that it could also be for any time. It just needs to be something that you need to focus on.
1: Are you ready for for an even wackier drush?
2: Yeah, I didn't think that was so wacky. But yeah, sure. Go ahead.
1: Well, no, but <laughs> yeah, well, I... we're talking a lot. Maybe I'll put pa- mm, I'm gonna say this anyway. This is this is something that I'm very confident is not the shot. How's that okay, great. Who's it by? Oh, you're me, I'm that. just me, I'm just making it up right now. Um, no, I'm just something that I noticed. you're looking at me like I'm crazy, which you're
2: showing us something,
1: yeah, yeah, so if you look right, so this word um seed uh plaster, right it's yeah. it's in in verse uh verse two and in verse four, those are the only two times that that shows up in the Torah. you know know me i i
2: you like that i like that
1: um if you scramble those right the the letters of seed around rabbi shots what do you get dvash no (laughs) oh i mean that's also true no Uh, the shin or the sin rather in the Uh, shaddai
2: Shaddai?
1: yeah shaddai oh come on that's kind of cool it only shows up twice in the whole Torah and you can talk about like your, your, as you do this, I don't know, there's, there's something, there's something kind of cool.
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 I could, yes, there is a drosh
1: there for there's sure. There.
2: No, I, yeah, I, I like that. Um, anyway, we've spoken at you for actually 55 minutes. So any thoughts, questions, comments, we can keep talking to you. Are you guys going to continue after Yon if Um, that is a that is a great kushia that has nothing to do with these. Persons. Since everything else is being done with before the khagib. Um, no. So Rabbi Shapiro um, is is going to be really focusing on the um, mental and spiritual health of our community through his center
1: uh, for spiritual for, growth. I was guess this right? class
2: is part of it. My mental and spiritual health. Well, then you can take that up with Rabbi Shapiro. Um, I my my guess is that. We that individually, we will be taking on different things in the coming year. Um, I am always happy to be pushed to think that maybe this is something that could fit in our schedules. Um, but uh, talk to Rabbi Shapiro about that. And Rabbi Shapiro, it's part of my mental and spiritual health. I think you need to consider that.
1: I will take that under advisement. What we have talked about is, um, and then we
2: could call on Joanna because I think that she actually, and we, sh- and we
1: should just, we could just take a vote in this class, and I'm betting oh. that most people would agree with me on that, right, guys? I think, I think, unfor- <laughs> I think, unfortunately, You're like uh, to the choir. That was very good, Renee. That was very. Well- I think, unfortunately, this is <laughs> this is not a democracy. It is a benevolent uh, duopoly. Um, <laughs> It was worth a shot though, right? It was right? worth a shot. I will say we are shots. Uh, <laughs> uh, um we are thinking about and and Joanne, I, I apologize, might leave you out a little bit, but we are talking about maybe for the the last class, thinking about getting folks together in person. Like still doing it over Zoom, but maybe maybe doing like a uh, uh, a Assume or something in in person or on Simchat Torah. And Joanna, we'll we'll still set you up over Zoom. We'll still we'll still stream it. We'll we'll just like put the laptop on a chair. Um, but, in, but
2: in all in all seriousness, before we go to Joanna, um, and then Joanna can have the last piece of Torah since this is well Gamze Torah, I guess. Um, in all seriousness, like Ravishwar and I love teaching together and love teaching this class. And if it is something that is interesting to people, we would be very compelled to hear that you want it to continue. Um, and it might just be that it has to look a little different or it can't be a whole hour, or it might just be that it changes in some way, or maybe we only look at one particular, like the first verse of every Parsha or I don't know, something, just something to make it a little bit different in the coming year, since we would be doing, um, all the Parsha that we just did for all year again. So, uh, Happy to talk. Off also, law-
1: Rabbi Shapiro was thinking about a Hasidut class Oh, way back.
2: That's I was going where- to be teaching every day of the week in the coming year, um, it seems. So I'm glad to be able to pass that along. Okay, Joanna.
0: So two quick things. First, to comment on this very discussion that we're having right now. I'm not sure what contributes more to my mental health, like the actual Torah and learning that we do, or the hilarious banter that happens between the two of you. So, you know, if we can't have a full hour of like Torah and profound learning, if we could just have, you know, five to 10 minutes of Rabbi Shot and Rabbi Shapiro banter, <laughs> that might do us. I'm just saying. Sure. Um, yeah. And on a more serious note, that already, like, I don't quite have it in my head anymore, but that last Pasuk that you just showed us, Rabbi Shapiro, where we were sort of anagramming the letters to um, Shaddai, I was thinking of the, um, like, when we say in Aramaic sometimes, Bisiata Deshmaiah. How is that? I don't know my Aramaic. Like, is that with a sin, with a samych? I actually.
2: Can't picture how it's written
0: out because then it yes, is, it's, a, it's a samych, the letters stay in so order, and believe. call and referring to God as God from shamaya is Shemaim. Right. Then it ties in with everything we've been talking about all day.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. You brought
1: it all together.
0: You had the bow today. Awesome. <laughs>
2: um, great. Well. Find a pasuk in every part that relates to mental health. Awesome. Yes. Rabbi Shapiro, we're going to be teaching this class again next year. So that, is
1: a good, that is a good idea, Elon. That is a oh, really oh, good idea.
0: Great idea. Or, how, how about a to musical help? tour through Torah? A, a song for every Parsha.
2: Oh, boy. I'm even willing to help you, Rabbi Shapiro, with
3: the mental health okay. part of the group. All right. Okay. All okay.
1: right.
2: I think... Um, you're all great. We're gonna we're gonna definitely try to teach something together. We see that that is of interest, and we also really do enjoy doing it together. Yeah. Um, we will... <laughs> The funny the funny thing is for all of you to know is that I brought this up as a topic last week and was not as convincing as all of you are being. So um, so thank you, uh, and um, I I hope that we'll see you next week, which will be right before Rosh Hashanah. Um, but I hope that you are also taking. We will, be, that- we will
1: be just as focused as we were today, a mere <laughs> a mere three days before Rosh Hashanah. We will be laser focused and extraordinarily.
2: We, were, we were, I thought we were
1: focused.
2: Um, sure. uh I lost my train of thought, but thank you, Joanna, for that beautiful that beautiful like conclusion to the class. And um, hope to see you all over Shabbat and at, maybe even at Slichot, and then over the Chagim. Uh,
0: Shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbal.a.org.